Keeping Up The Pace. Also on Twitter, at Keep Up The Pace. And on Facebook, at Keeping Up The Pace. So it's the first for the show today. We welcome an in-studio guest, Darren Jones. Welcome, Jonesy. Thank you for having me on, Stephen. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's good to have you here, mate. We'll talk, we'll leave the NFL alone, but I know you're a massive AFL and NBA fan, so we'll cover off on those two. Sounds good. So we'll start with the NBA. Do you want to tell me what your memories are of first watching the NBA? Probably similar to most people in our era, Stephen, back in the 80s. Uh, first time I ever really heard about the NBA was a player called Michael Jordan. Uh, not much coverage in Australia back uh, back in the 80s. First thing I ever saw was the, I think it was the 1988 dunk comp between Michael Jordan and uh, Dominic Wilkins, the final. Yep. It made the news. Uh, and it's probably the most iconic dunk of all time, the free throw line dunk. Uh, you see photos of it everywhere. My son has one on his wall, actually. So really got me interested in the NBA. I started following it as much as I could. Uh, and that sort of led on to uh, basketball cards. So the, the first thing that we could really get involved in as kids was uh, buying basketball cards. So from then it was just up and up. I don't think today's kids will ever understand how good basketball cards were. Can you ever? I think you can still get basketball cards can, these days. Yeah. yeah. So but, you could still get them, but we didn't have the internet. We didn't have Foxtel. I remember you used to be able to buy a magazine. You used to have the prices of uh, the cards. I remember the Shaquille O'Neal ones were quite expensive, and the Michael Jordan ones. So I was not lucky to get any of those, but I certainly had a huge collection back in the day. Yeah, it's, um, great memories. I was similar to you. I was probably a bit later than you, early to mid '90s. Jordan was definitely the first player. I took to, and he's well on the way to becoming the second best player of all time, so, which we might touch on. We might on talk, a about bit, a bit more later on. talk about that later, yes. So, as far as fandom, are you a fan of a team? And if you are, why are you the fan of that team? I've been a fan of this team since, I remember it explicitly, 1991. It's probably uh, the best time to be a supporter of that team, and it is the Golden State Warriors. I followed them through a lot of hard times. Through the 90s, early 2000s, they were a dreadful, dreadful team. They had some dreadful players. They were the laughing stock, actually, of, of, of the league. Uh, I stuck with them. The reason why I chose them, when I very first bought my first pack of basketball cards, I flicked through. I didn't know half the players. I didn't know any of the players, really. But I just, I, I, just, I was just drawn to this one player of a card that I, bought, uh, that I bought. Uh, his player was Tim Hardaway. It's his second, year, second or third year for the Warriors in 91. Uh, I thought he, he's just a player that I, I want to follow. And being a Golden State player, I thought, as easy as that, I'll go for the Golden State Warriors. So early 90s would have been run TMC. Run TMC, it? yeah, they were. Uh, Mitch Richmond, uh, Chris Mullen, they had, they had some exciting time. Never really much playoff, playoff success, but they were very much showtime. Exciting to watch, not much success. Yeah, they lacked the big man strength, but... They did. They, they had a few come through. They had Latrell Sprewell came through. Was, was quite a good player. Chris Webber came through, was a good player, but never really reached the heights until really probably late of the, 20, the 2000s, 2009, 2010, when a young fellow named Steph Curry came on board, and it's been up and up since then. It's been, it's been good being a Warriors supporter right now, tough as well, because of the social media amounts of it. I've had to delete some social media accounts for the hate that yeah. you get for being a Warriors fan, and you, I've stopped defending myself. Because I, I get the, the question, who do you go for? Oh, Golden State. Oh, you only go then because of the this they're having. And I, I used to say, no, I used to go, I've gone for it for this long. I've given up now. I just said, yep, I'll just go for him. Yeah, well, I, I can vouch for you like I vouched for Jai Thomas a couple of weeks ago on this show. You are legitimate Warriors fan, which is an unusual thing, to be honest. Most There's them, lots of us now. There wasn't that many no. when I, when 20 years ago when I was uh, walking around in my Golden State shirt. I wonder how many of you will follow Durant to New York when he goes next year. Or follow him to LA. Possibly. So, on to Durant. It's a couple of weeks removed now, but of course, Draymond Green, as he does, probably wasn't handling not being in the spotlight. So he chose to unload on Kevin Durant. It was probably, from my point of view, as a neutral... One of the more interesting NBA stories I've seen in a long time because footage you I've seen, sorry, footage I've seen clearly sees Durant mouthing, that's why I'm out. As in, I can't stand playing with this bloke, he's a dickhead. And let's be honest, he's elite basketball or Draymond Green, but on exposed form, he's dirty and he's a dickhead. What do you make of the spat? Personally, I think it, it, it is a week removed, but the last two games have shown you why Draymond Green shouldn't give, should have given Kevin Durant the ball in that last six seconds. 
He scored, he's averaging 45 for the last two games. In Pretty much he's been a lone hand, along with Clay Thompson, but he's been a lone hand. Draymond Green, rush of blood, five seconds to go, may not have seen him, run up the court, it's fallen over, he looks like a, like a fool. Kevin Durant should have been given the ball. I totally back Kevin Durant. I totally back Kevin Durant arguing with his teammate. You see it all the time. Kobe Bryant arguing with his teammates all the time. You see Chris Paul and James Harden arguing with each other. I think what it comes down to, it, it is a big story. But the media are making it a big story because it's the Warriors. The media love a Cinderella story. The Warriors were a Cinderella story five years ago. They've come from the clouds. They were a poor team. They've got all these players. Now they're winning titles. The media just wants to turn on them. So it's, I'm not saying they're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's definitely, definitely something simmering there. But, I mean, if it was any other team, it wouldn't have had the, the media coverage that it has had. I mean, being a Warriors fan, I know Kevin Durant's not going to be in for the long haul. He may he may play one more year after this year, uh, probably just to win one or two more titles, and then he'll be on his way to his own team. We talk about maybe the Knicks, we talk about maybe the Lakers, whoever, whoever wants to pay him, he'll go there to to form his own legacy. And I think to get his reputation back, his re- reputation took a huge beating. He's got a lot of hate from a lot of fans. Pretty much every other non Golden State fan hates him. The media thought he was a, a, a snake for doing what he did. The players, I mean, look, look at the, the, the Cupcake Saga at OKC with Russell Westbrook. They, so he's been getting a lot of hate lately. And it won't be, it, it didn't surprise me that it just boiled over in that moment. As I say, the last two games showed me that they hit a, a three with about 10 seconds to go last night. It was just game on the line. He's hit the two biggest shots in the last two seasons of the NBA Finals. Yeah, he he has, should yeah. have the ball in his hand in the, for the last play of the game. So... Good on Kevin Durant. The thing that impresses me about Durant is a lot of these NBA players act like they don't care, and I think they do care. Durant doesn't. You can clearly see he's not interested at all. I don't think he comes across as all as someone who cares what people think. I think he cares. He cares about winning. He cares about what's yeah. good for himself. He left. He left Oklahoma City and went to a team that had just won the title. Which, which, being the probably the top five player in the league was probably a very, very easy thing to do. But why do you play? Why do you play sport for? People play sport to win titles. You do, I mean, don't you? I mean, yeah. you don't. You don't play sport to, to win the MVP. You don't play sport to win a win a Brownlow in the AFL. Jamie Cripps is probably happier with his with his premiership medal than Shane Wodan is with his Brownlow. And oh, it comes down Shane to Shane Wodan. You're picking him out there, but I think it's a fair call. I, I don't disagree with anything you said about Durant. I'll tell you what, the last three weeks have told me that Stephen Curry is a much more valuable player to the Warriors than Kevin Durant. And here's a stat to back that up. So since 2014-2015, the Warriors are 245-56 and 56 with Curry, and they've improved overnight to 26-22 and 22 without him. So they're a 500 team without Curry, and they win 80% of their games with him. Do you have a thought on who's more valuable? Who, okay, so here's the Warriors walk to the NBA Finals again. You have to play the Finals without one of those two. Who do you play it without? Steph Curry hasn't had a great final series. He was probably the best last year, but he hasn't been consistent. Kevin Durant, the last two seasons, has been unbelievable. As much as I hate to say it, this is Steph Curry's team. This is Steph Curry's city. He owns... San Fran. He's loved by every single supporter. Kevin Durant is sort of liked by by the supporters. He's not loved. Steph Curry's loved. But if I was walking to the NBA Finals right now and one of them to pull a hamstring, I hope it's Steph Curry. Well, there you go. That is from a legit Warriors fan. That is very interesting. I I can see the point. I've seen Kevin Durant win more games off his back than I have seen Steph Curry. Steph Curry, I feel Steph Curry makes the team play better. He makes everybody play better. But if in the last ten seconds I need a bucket. I'll yep. have it in Kevin Durant's hands and not Steph Even if Curry's. he's getting guarded by Kawhi Leonard? Even if he gets guarded by Kawhi Leonard. Okay, and, and Fred Van Vliet double team, it doesn't matter. He will get a bucket. He can shoot over him or blow by him. Well, that leads perfectly into our next point. So that's interesting. Do you see, so to me, and we'll get on to the conferences in a while, the Warriors, in any case, easily make the finals. I think there could be four teams in the East who may make the finals. I actually think it's three, but I'll give the Celtics the benefit of the doubt because they have a degree of pedigree. Do the Bucks, the Raptors, or the Sixers potentially pose a threat to the Warriors in your mind? I think in the West, I think the Warriors will make the West finals. They're, they're, they're too good. And with the Marcus Cousins coming in, 
in uh, probably six weeks. A lot of people say it may affect the gel. He's too good a player to not make that team better. I mean, he'll probably come up, he'll start, he won't get the 28 and 15 or whatever he was getting last year before he did his Achilles, but he'll make that team better. I think the Warriors will easily win the West. The East, the Raptors are amazing at the moment. They're so deep. Kawhi Leonard is having an unbelievable season. I think if Kawhi Leonard can play, for them for them to, to make it to the Game 7 of the Finals, he's going to have to play 100 games this season. He hasn't done that in the last few seasons. He's already missed four or five games already this season. Can he last a season at the level he is at? If he can, I think the Raptors will win. And I think they'll go against the 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucks are playing unbelievable basketball. Giannis is just, he's a freak. He's one of the players, I, he's probably my favourite player to watch at the moment, is Giannis. I saw, him, I saw him take a rebound and he dribbled twice and dunked it at the other end of the court. It's just amazing. He probably travelled, but the NBA lets go a lot of travels. They've been coached, fantastic. Brogdon and... Let's say some of the outside shoes are hitting threes, but with the with the acquisition of Jimmy Butler, I mm, think yeah, good call. I think the 76ers of Darius Saric and Covington were good players, but Jimmy Butler's better than both of them. Combined. Well, that's and you just summed up perfectly. Oh, the NBA is a star league, right? Jimmy Butler would be a hashtag shit bloke to most people. Like he, everything he's done in his career thus far, he doesn't carry himself very well. He doesn't seem like the greatest teammate, but he's a superstar player. And the Sixers now have. The best threesome in the East. Clearly, the best threesome. Now, how they fit blokes around them, they still need some outside shooting, I think. Embiid's clearly taken a step up this year. Like, he's at MV. He's in the MVP discussion. He's 30 and 10 every night. Embiid is putting up Shaq, early yep. Shaq Orlando numbers, and he, he looks unstoppable. He's, he's tearing other NBA centres apart. And him and Butler are both have that attitude. They have a, I'm going to rip your throat out attitude. Simmons cruises a bit from that point of view, so I don't think you need three guys to be that mental. But... Will, will that imply, will Jimmy Butler want the ball? It will Embiid. I mean, Jimmy Butler said two game winners already in the yep. five games he's played for him. The game where he hit against Brooklyn a couple of nights ago was an absolutely terrible shot. Oh, yeah, very it was a fadeaway 30-footer. It went in. It went in. I mean, he's good enough to get that shot. But when you're down by one and you, you don't give it to the best player in the league at the moment, who will probably easily score, that's a big risk. If he missed that, is it going to be another Durant, Draymond fight on the bench between those two? Because they are, as we all know, Joel Embiid is, is a hothead. He's very active on Twitter and he isn't he's scared a, of speaking his he's mind. He's a good follow on Twitter. Actually. He's a great follow on Twitter. Yes, he is. Hey, he, he's got the game to back it up, so... I would be very confident. It's a good point you make about Butler's two game-winning shots since joining the Sixers have both been low percentage. Kyrie Irving's game-winning three-pointer in Game 7 of the finals a few years ago wasn't a really high percentage shot either. But having said all that, the ball will be in Embiid's hands in the playoffs. It has to be. Brett, Brett Brown is risking potentially his job if he's not giving the ball to Embiid in crunch time in the playoffs. Because there's no one in these two can but stop will, Embiid will, if, will, will Jimmy Butler give it to him? Yeah. Has Jimmy Butler got a big enough head that will say, stuff you, Brett Brown. You've you've made this play for Joel Embiid. I'm taking the shot. I want the glory. I'd hope he I'm wouldn't. I'm the man. I'd hope he wouldn't. I'd love I, to I, see I hope him. he wouldn't too. I hope he wouldn't either. I, hope, I, think, I think a Raptors um, 76ers Eastern Conference Finals would be good. Yeah, it would be. Are either of them good enough to push the Warriors... To the title, I feel the Raptors will win the, will get the best record, so they will have home court. Toronto's home court is is fantastic, home court advantage for them. Can't see the 76ers beating the Raptors. If if Kawhi can play 100 games, if he can play that many games at the standard he is playing, they are so deep. They're only the probably the only thing that's stopping them the last few years is the one man, LeBron James. Yeah, they probably would have made the finals if LeBron James wasn't playing for Cleveland last. And Demar Derozan was their best player, and he can't be your best player. Kawhi Leonard is easily a better player than Demar Derozan. Oh yeah, Demar Derozan is playing fantastic at the Spurs at the moment. He really is, but he's he's nothing on Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is also in the MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Playing an MVP, it's just can he play the games? It's the same as Embiid. Can Embiid play the games? He hasn't missed a game this year, and he's averaging 35, 36 minutes a game. Will he burn out at game sixty? You know, will he will he do will he do something? Will he pull a muscle and will he come back the same? It's all we're a third a quarter of the way through the season, uh, but there's lots to talk about. If I was to bet on it, I'd bet that no Eastern Conference team will get more than one game from the Warriors. But who knows? Demarcus Cousins and Draymond Green thrown into that melting pot. I mean, there's no shy and retiring types there, is there? 
every year it's like let's win it let's win it for someone let's win it for someone let's let's win it for, last year was let's win it for or the last couple of years let's win it for Durant let's win it for David West let's win it for this <laughs> well this year I love how NBA just Tough. jumping on I love how NBA <laughs> veterans these blokes who've been respected and had respected careers just hoe themselves off when there's a chance to win a ring why wouldn't you though it's got. I, I don't. Disagree. Carl Malone did it. Carl Malone went to the Lakers all that time didn't ago. Ring, Gary didn't. Gary Payton did it. Yeah. Didn't get his ring. No, no I, I don't necessarily disagree. With that. I can see why they do it, but I find it amusing that they do it, and I find it more amusing. The Warriors have been so good that they could actually give David West minutes when he didn't deserve to be near an NBA court. Well, I think they. I think they're good enough to just pay one of the top centers in the league, Demarcus Cousins, five million dollars a year to play one season. Well, it's a low risk for them, right? If oh, he doesn't, tow, if he doesn't toe the line, Kerr won't play him. Probably not, no. But I, I, I can't see him not putting up numbers. He's, he's, too, too, he's too good a player. He's too good a player. So in, t- in today's NBA, there's obviously they've legislated towards minimal contact now. So the games, the the game itself is geared towards high scoring and flashiness. What do you and and three point shooting? What do you think of today's NBA game as a spectacle? I've watched a lot of college basketball in in the past over the last ten years or so. And I've watched games where every second play was a three-pointer. And I thought it was actually quite boring because that's not what, how they played in the NBA. It's, I thought it was an easy shot, an easy get-out. They weren't hitting the shots as such. But I really think the, the three-pointer revolution in the NBA, I, I, th- I think it should be called the Steph effect. Steph Curry has changed the game. Not many, not many players in the league in history have changed the game. I feel he has changed the game. He can play out to 35, 40 feet. You have to guard him that far out. And it's at a point now... I remember back in school, you might have been the same, Stephen, but we always used to ask the, the teachers if we could lower the rings because we want to dunk like Michael Jordan. Yep. Everyone wanted to dunk like Michael Jordan. Dunk, 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 dunk. These days, you don't see kids wanting to dunk. They want to shoot threes. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's shooting yeah. threes. If you're, if you're a seven-footer now and you're a low-post seven-footer, you're not going to make it in the NBA. No, you need to be able to stretch shoot. When you, when you see so, someone yeah. like Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez has hit eight three-pointers in a game this season. Yeah. Joel Embiid shooting threes. Aaron Baines is shooting threes. If he didn't shoot threes, Aaron Baines would be playing with Andrew Berger at the NBL. Tonight. Yeah, that's that's just how it is. It's it, it, it's how the game is going. I mean, Houston averaged 53 pointers a game last season. The thing is, you have to hit them. You have to hit those threes. And if you don't hit them, as Houston are this season, they're they're below. I think they're below 500 now. They are, and, and Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals last year. When they, they missed, lost when that, it was yeah, 20, 27 in a row, they had that game in the bag. Yep. And they didn't go away from what they had been drummed into them all season, that shooting threes. Is it just is it too hard to get someone in the low post now to, to, to drive to the basket? Or is, like, is it simply maths? Is it simply why would I back down and lay it up and score two when I can get an open corner three if I move the ball well enough. I watched a game a couple of weeks ago. It was Terry Rozier and Jason Tatum were on a two-on-one fast break. Yep, yeah, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Jason Tatum runs to the corner on the fast break. Rozier finds him, he shoots a three. It's an easy two. Yeah. Tatum, Tatum, is, Tatum can get, get that, but he shoots a three and misses. Is is that coached? I don't know if it's coached. Is it is it just cocky cockiness? Or is this the way the NBA is these days? It's, it's leading to massive scores. I like massive scores. I'd rather see a 141-135 than a 89-86 game. I would. Yeah. High, yeah. high scoring is, is exciting. Is exciting. But it also leads to blowouts. Um, yeah. Utah have lost a game this year by 50 points. All right, so To Dallas. To Dallas, will. yes. I like it. It's, but I really do think it's come back to... This, I call it the Steph Curry effect. I think yeah, he I mean, has changed yeah. the league. Not just for guards for every single position. Yep, I think it's fair. I, I tend to agree with that. Whether you like Curry or not, the respect level he's going to get. Who go doesn't down. like Curry? He's got to be one of the most easiest liked players uh, in the league. He's his undertone of arrogance and smugness that he tries to hide behind a, great little, family a fresh man. face and great, a great family, family man. man. Actually annoys the Parents shit always in the crowd. Yeah, I, I, kids are always smiling. He struggled he's away a, as a young man, didn't he? He's, Dad probably worked two jobs. Oh, actually, no, his dad was a millionaire already. Yeah. He sat on the bench in NBA games, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just find to watch Curry as a basketball fan is brilliant, but I can't not enjoy watching him play. I find his whole persona very clever. It's a very clever persona that he's mastered, and good luck to him with it. But please don't tell I'm... me. When he took a dump on the court, remember a couple of years ago against the Cavs? Yes. He, that is clearly what he was doing. No other human movement could be mistaken for that one. 
So well, what goes through your head? You don't accidentally do that stuff. But we'll agree to disagree on that one. Stephen. We will. We will. We'll go on to favourite players. So Steph Curry's not one of mine. Do you have outside of the Warriors? You mentioned Giannis. Before. Actually, actually, to tell you the truth, probably my my top five. I probably don't have any Warriors in there. Steph yeah. Curry. I I support the best players on the Warriors at the time. Yeah. If the Warriors trade away KD. And Steph Curry's go. I'll still support the Warriors. Like the Warriors are my team. I don't yep. specifically have my favorite warrior is actually Clay Thompson. That's that could be. That's easily understandable. I, I, I've, 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 I've heard this mentioned uh, elsewhere, and I, the thing is, Clay Thompson. They say Clay Thompson is the only player in the league that could be traded to any other 20, 29 teams and make that team better through play, through demeanor, through what he can do. I mean, you could say Giannis, but Giannis may stuff up uh, the, the setup they've got in Toronto or something like that. But Clay Thompson will make any team. He'll better. just fit. He'll yeah. fit. He'll fit anywhere. He'll do anything. Yeah. Because he's that good a player. Uh, Giannis, unbelievable. He's got a couple of younger brothers coming through. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if they if yeah. they can uh, take the next step. The very raw. Giannis was very raw when he started. I remember. Um, I think one plays for Dallas. I'm not sure what the other one is. Yeah, Fanicus maybe plays for Dallas. I'm not sure what the other one is either. Uh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has probably been my, my favourite player in the last couple of years. He's probably the most all-round talented NBA player I've seen the decade. I'd say as far as the full skill set. Obviously, his body's let him down. His body has let him down. He's now, he's, as I say, he, he's one of those classics coming a couple of years ago. He started shooting, seven-footer started shooting Therese. You know who leads the league in minutes played this year? Anthony oh. Davis. Oh, Look, you, you would you would have got a million to one on that the beginning That's... of the year. Actually, that stat was as of the end of last week. So I know that he left the game early. It might have slipped, but he was averaging 37 minutes a game. I think that's probably too much for him. I don't yeah, think his body will take it through. He's got a pretty good team. Uh, probably the best team he's had around him his whole career. Yep. I think Randall's a really good pickup for him. Drew Holiday's a, a good player. He's an elite player. He yeah. is he's extremely underrated, and he, is, he, he can score you 30 easily. Um, other players... Off the cuff, I love Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard plays in Portland. They get no coverage, Portland. He's a guy who isn't afraid to take the shot. He isn't afraid to take on the big guys. And he, he, he pulls through a lot. He hits those big threes, doesn't back down from anyone. Will he, will he stay in Portland? Probably not. Either he or CJ McCollum will probably be moved on. I love watching Damian Lillard. I love the... I wouldn't really call him an underdog, but someone who doesn't have the respect which I feel he deserves. And I love the way he just pulls through. You just... Grins and gets on with it. Yeah, yeah I, really, he plays, I really enjoy watching Damien Lillard. Plays every night as well. Like he doesn't, he's hardly ever injured. The best ability is availability. Absolutely. And I was just having, just just off the topic, Stephen. I was just speaking to my friend a couple of weeks ago. I haven't seen him in about in a few months, and I I, I brought up the the subject of Cleveland. Knowing he's been a Cleveland fan for as long as I know him, the last couple of years, I asked him how Cleveland were going this year. He said he didn't care. I was thinking, what do you mean you don't care? Aren't they your team? He goes, no, I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. So I said, so do you follow the Lakers? And he goes, well, no, I follow LeBron. It, it, it's getting to a point where a few people I know are actually player fans rather than team fans. And yourself, yep. Stephen. Yep. For years that I knew you, I just thought you were a Dallas Mavericks fan, which you did follow the Mavericks, but you were a Dirk Nowitzki fan. Yeah, absolutely. Is it is it because of the player movement these days, is it easy just to follow a player? Yeah, if, if if Dirk had happened to sign a one-year deal somewhere else this year... Warriors. What if Warriors. Dirk comes to the Warriors next year to win another title? I'll follow the Warriors for the year, to be honest, because since 1998, when I've really been passionate about basketball, I've been a Dirk Nowitzki fan. Mm. So I guess I'd have to. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I guess I'd have to. Yeah, because if, if if Kevin Durant, I mean, I love Kevin Durant. He plays the Warriors, so I love Kevin Durant scoring forty nine points. If he goes to the Knicks next year, I'm not going to be a Knicks fan. I'm not. A, I'm not a Kevin Durant fan. I'm a Warriors fan. I'm I'm a part of our our sort of era who are, who are team supporters, yeah. not necessarily players. But I have my favourite players. I love Giannis. I've got a Giannis Bucks Guernsey. If Giannis maybe goes to somewhere next year, I'll probably throw a Giannis Guernsey for them as well. But. I won't support that team, but I will follow those players. Yeah, so. pl- player power is huge in the NBA, so I think following a player is going to become more and more prevalent. I mean, you, I mean, you look at China, which is a massive market for the NBA. Half the kids in China are wearing Steph Curry guernseys. Yeah. If Steph Curry, if Steph Curry moves on to go, say, I don't know, just go play for Charlotte, maybe to where his old man used to play, they'll buy Steph Curry Charlotte guernseys. Yeah. They won't care. They won't care. I think the younger generation 
from what I can see, are following players more than they are following teams. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I definitely agree. Is there anything else NBA-wise you wanted to cover off on? I did notice the standings, so I was having a quick look before you came here. So Toronto are streaking east, but then after that it becomes a, a mishmash. It's a mishmash game, in really. the east, absolutely. I, I, we talked about it earlier with the conference finals. I think it would be the Warriors. Who they'll play, oh, it's a... Everyone at the start of the year would have said the Rockets. I mean, they, they yeah. are in a huge world of trouble. Maybe even the Jazz, and they're probably even worse yeah, trouble. They are worse they're trouble, getting flogged. Yeah. They're getting flogged in games. They, yeah. they haven't changed any personnel. Donovan Mitchell's missed a couple of games, but they just look a shadow of their team. Like Their defense has just dropped out of this world. People are, people are just scoring at will against them. The one, the, there is one team I'm worried about in the West... And that's the LA Lakers. Oh, for one man. For one man. You cannot count uh, count him out. You, you cannot count him out. What? He is coasting. Brandon Ingram. Your mate, LeBron James, is coasting in games. When it comes to crunch, he will take over. I, I've seen him take over games this year where he sort of looked like he's trying to get other players, especially Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, into the game, Josh Hart. When the game's there to be won, he just says, give me the ball. And, and they win. I mean, they'll, they'll make the playoffs. Yep. They'll be a tough first-round opponent for whoever they play. That will be. Because LeBron James, as you have mentioned to me on numerous occasions in our conversations, has never was, lost a first-round series. He hasn't, no. And I don't think it'll change this year. Unless they come... I mean, even if they come seventh and the Rockets miraculously come back and come second, I, I wouldn't put money against the Lakers knocking off the Rockets. I mean, the other see the Denver Nuggets are a fantastic team to watch as well. But once they get the playoffs, they'll fall away. It's the same as the same as the Blazers. The Blazers playing right, they'll fall away once it gets to playoff times. So I think once once it gets to the the back end of the season, when teams stop coasting, yeah, and it all comes down to health as well. I would think just on the Lakers, I think they need to do what they can in season to trade, even if it means trading Ingram, Contavious Caldwell Pope, get Bradley Beal in there. If they have LeBron, Beal, Lonzo, I mean, a lot of people are Lonzo haters. I think he will fit well around those players. I totally agree. JaVale McGee and Tyson Chandler between them can offer some semblance of defense in the middle. Both players have won NBA titles. Correct. They know what it takes to win. I would think the Lakers need to make a decision between Kuzma or Ingram, and I think they will get more trade value from Ingram, and I think Kuzma is a better player short-term and will be a better ally for LeBron. I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually be surprised at all if the Lakers made the Western Conference Finals. They'd probably get swept, but who, you're not going to bet against LeBron, as you point out. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, the, the huge talk is that Bradley Bill wants out of Washington. He yeah. wants out of, out of Washington now. Yep. He's a, he's a great player. Him and Wall just haven't gelled. No. They are just two players who are fantastic players who cannot play together. And LeBron so, is a very cagey man. He would be all over that. He, well. he would be. He's, he's, he, he knows what it takes to win. He knows... Yes. He knows if he surrounds himself with a couple of decent players, I absolutely feel they can make the Western Conference Finals. I don't think they'll beat the Warriors either, but I think they could make it. East, Raptors, a lock. Raptors are a lock to make it with no Cavs there. And I'm going to say the 76ers. The 76ers have got too much talent. I don't think they'll win. I think the Raptors will beat them with home court advantage. Yep. I think Embiid and Simmons and Butler will play a lot of minutes up to there. They may burn out. The Raptors are too deep. They'll be fresh. They'll probably get that done. Final, Warriors-Raptors. Home court advantage to the Raptors. Warriors win five. Yeah, I think I can see a token a token win there. It's funny, the, the couple of guests I've had on, we've talked about conference finalists, and you talk about it. And at that stage, the season just started. Mm-hmm. You blink, and now you're a quarter of the way through. So before we know it, the season's starting to form pretty quickly. Yeah. And you can get, like, Toronto are already three games clear of the entire league. So. Well, Toronto had the best record, or the best record in the East last yep. year. So they had home court. I mean, they'll have the best record in the NBA this year. I yep. feel. I agree. I think I think they'll go better than the Warriors. I mean, people say the Warriors are struggling, um, and they're five and five in the last ten, but they've got two of their most influential players out, and one of the an NBA star coming back in a month as well. The Warriors will be okay. The Warriors will probably top the West. They'll yeah, both get so. home. They both get home corner. The Raptors will have it, but when it comes to the crunch, can Kyle Lowry play in the NBA Finals? He couldn't play in the NBA Conference Finals. Against, it's against, a good question. Can he play in the finals? It's all about Kawhi. Kawhi, yeah, it yeah. is all about Kawhi, and we know how the Warriors can beat Kawhi, as they did. The what Spurs send Zaza out send there? Send Zaza. Put your foot under a jumping Kawhi. Who would be? Who over. would be the Zaza this year? Who will be sent out as a thug to maim Kawhi Leonard? 
I don't think you have any um, stands out. Jonas Derebko. Oh, yeah, maybe. I, I don't think we really have. Draymond Green. I actually would. That, that's Probably Dray- Draymond Green would need to be asked to do it. He would just do it. Yeah, I could. Um, I could. I could see that happening. Unfortunately, hopefully for Draymond. <laughs> it was, case, it was, was purely incidental, Stephen. That Zaza move. He was looking at the basket as his foot moved. Across. Just do, you know do yourself a favour and Google Zaza's hits. The greatest hits of Zaza. The guy's a punk. Well, he's, he's wallowing down at Detroit at the moment, so... Uh, he's, a, he's a punk with a championship. Good on him. Yeah, Utah, is. Utah and Houston are actually second and third bottom of the conference at the moment, so there you go. How's that for it? How much money would you got on that at the start of the season? Uh, you wouldn't have been able to find a bookie, I don't reckon. So we might wrap up the NBA there and jump over to probably both of our first loves, the AFL. Um, being Eagles fans... It was, I am wholeheartedly a West Coast you are, fan. Yeah. Yes, it was I a am. pretty solid season. What did you make of 2018 before it happened as it went on and obviously towards the end of the year? Winning a final in 2017 in dramatic circumstances as we did with Luke Shuey kicking the goal against Port after the siren. I was pretty confident we would go well in 2018. I don't think any any supporter of the Eagles thought they could go, actually win the grand final, let alone get into a grand final. We thought if they could... We thought... The, what I thought is that if they could make Optus Stadium a fortress like Subiaco Oval used to be, they'll win most of their games at home. Winning the most of their games at home, you're going to come top four. I thought we were good enough to come top four. Going on a 10-game winning streak from about round three to 13 yeah. or something, that really, really pushed home the fact that I thought we were a legitimate chance. Winning away uh, really helped as well. We won a lot of games away this year. Yeah. That was probably our biggest hurdle over the last few years is actually winning consistently on the road. I mean, we won at the MCG. We won consistently away games. Injuries came, and I thought... I thought when Jack Darling went down, I thought we were in a bit of strife. He was he was playing as good as centre-half forward play that I can remember in Nick Rewalt's heydays, even back at Wayne Carey's heydays. Yeah, he was, he was... He was absolutely dominating. And when he went... I was actually the game against St Kilda when he went down, and you could just hear the, the groan from the crowd because they knew how he was playing. Leading up to this season, probably me and you both, Stephen, thought he was a, a good trade bait for another team. We thought he hadn't reached his potential, would probably never going to reach his potential. But this year showed, it showed me anyway, the type of player he can be, along with Josh Kennedy, to be probably the two most bo- potent big men in the league. Yep. Uh, as, in, a, in the, as a group together. Yep. Um, of course, Nick Nat going down was a big loss as well. But I thought, I thought, I thought Nathan Vardy and Scott Lassett both picked up the slack quite well. There aren't many dominant big I mean besides Brody Grundy, Max Gorn, you just need a you just need a goer. You just need someone to get ruck types and a few marks around the ground. And I thought Lysette and Vardy filled that role very well. But no way did I think we would actually make it into the grand final, even halfway through the season. I thought something will happen, we'll we'll go on a losing streak or something like that. But it's just a belief in the team that carried us through to home finals. I thought the Collingwood home final was a very, very good win. Yeah. I agree. Uh, which set us up with a week off, then, then to play Melbourne, high flying Melbourne, coming up. They had a lot of a lot of media coverage. A lot of people thought Melbourne were going to were going to push the Eagles, but it was just absolutely it was a bloodbath. The and, the market I found it interesting. The betting market on the Eagles Melbourne prelim, the Eagles started about a dollar seventy five. Melbourne were two bucks, and all the money during the week was for Melbourne. And a lot of the betting must have been emotional because if you actually looked at the factors that impact. A prelim final, week off, home ground advantage, fitness and availability, etc. All signs were pointing to the Eagles winning. You would you would have struggled if you were talking pure football and not emotion to make a case for Melbourne at all. I think Melbourne were the Cinderella story this year. A lot of twenty sixteen yeah. was the Bulldogs. They went out winning the grand final. Twenty seventeen was Richmond. Haven't won it in how many years? They won it last year. Melbourne with with this year's Cinderella story. And I think it was you're right. I think it was emotional. I think it was just the hope. That there was going to be a, an all Melbourne grand final. Yes, yeah, but that's as, it. Was going to be Collingwood Richmond was going to be one of them, and I'm sure they uh, the M, the the Melbourne public wanted a Melbourne slash v Collingwood slash Richmond grand final. So a lot of hope was based was was put onto that. But when they came down to game time, the Eagles were just clearly cut above, and yeah. and going into the grand final, I was extremely confident that we were going to we were going to win. I didn't think we'd win it the fashion that we did. No, well, um, especially after watching Collingwood's preliminary final, 
I've watched a lot of footy. I've watched a lot of footy with you, Stephen. That preliminary final they played against Richmond, yep. probably the best game I've ever seen any team play in 20 years. Yeah, the, the first quarter was. Uh, my brother-in-law here watching it, and it was almost, you're in a state of shock at quarter time. It was like it was like they were playing a, a suburban league team. Yep. They were just unbelievable the way they played. And I thought, I, I won't see a, a team play that well. If the Eagles win, they're going to have a big, big task against the grand final. The Eagles came out and did it again the next day. Probably didn't play as clean and as, as sweet, but still thump, thumped an opposition which oh, absolutely. to win. So. The, the most amazing thing about that, Prelim was probably the, the best fullback of all time and one of the best footballers in history, Alex Rance, was decimated by an American. It was actually really amusing watching Mason Cox. I was wondering where you are going with that, Stephen. Yeah, no. I know you're a big Alex, Alex Rance fan. So I don't know if the um, sarcasm is coming through on the recording. <laughs> Not a massive Alex Rance fan, but Mason Cox, who could be anything as a footballer, to watch him strut around in front of 95,000 people, show the ball to Rance a couple of times, and let's be honest, just kill Rance one-on-one, was incredible to watch. And the sound and the noise at that ground when Collingwood were firing must have been incredible. Especially when it's a guy who's played played football for, for five years yeah, against yeah. people argue the greatest fullback of all time. Yeah, well, those people wouldn't want to come on here. Those people uh, have their opinions. They and do. They aren't the same as ours. So yeah, I found it. Um, I actually found myself probably in the second half of the season as an Eagles fan, just trying to work out how the hell we were going to beat Richmond in the grand final. So I was confident we'd make the grand final, but I couldn't see any way unless we beat Richmond earlier in the finals that we were going to not play them in the grand final. And obviously, when they won first week and we won first week, you split up to separate halves of the draw. And I was thinking to myself, well, we're either going to make the grand final and lose to Richmond. Or we have to hope that they get knocked out, which they did. So that mindset's funny, right? Because the Richmond Love Fest, they've, they've been a good football side for probably 28 weeks over a season and a half. Some media people are talking about them as being a great football team, not a great football team. They're a well-drilled, well-coached side that run harder than anyone else and have an innate ability to keep the ball moving their own way. They're not a great football side. They're, they're not... They're... They had a great season last year because everything went their way. I mean, they're great running forward. They're tough. They their their movement is so fast. Yep, and they yet, move the ball. You, you sort of have to if, if you're at the game, you, just, you don't. TV doesn't give you how fast they actually move the ball. They were found out this this season by Collingwood. They must they found a way to beat them, and it made them look absolutely mediocre. I mean. Any team on their day can beat any other team in the league, really. But they absolutely decimated Richmond. And they do. I think Richmond walked into the game thinking we're going to play in the grand final. Yeah, and I did. totally agree. Yep. I, I actually thought we wouldn't. We would make the grand final. We would play Richmond, and I thought we'd lose as well. I was I was happy to make a grand final against Richmond and lose. I, I I'm the type of person who I'm happy to make a grand final, like 2015 when we made it and lost. I wasn't upset. 2005 when we made it and lost, I wasn't upset. Making a grand final is such a huge achievement. Winning it is just the icing on the cake. But to make it, I was, I was just happy to do that if we were playing Richmond. But as soon as we found out we were playing Collingwood, I thought, we, we've got this in the bag. Yeah, and about the 20-minute mark of the first quarter, I think we probably I was both... packing my bags and walking out yeah, the door. That's what I was doing. You were almost gone, that's for sure. But you talked before about the belief the Eagles have within that team. I mean, what Adam Simpson has instilled was clearly on show the 20 minute mark of the first quarter your five goals down in the grand final there was no sign of panic there was no guys berating each other I've heard Shannon Toon, Shannon Hearn talk about that exact same thing I mean Shannon Hearn made a mistake which gave up a goal Yep. Tom Cole dropped an easy mark which gave up a goal they, they each said if we're five goals down but if we, if we stick to what we do and play our game we'll win this game well Jack Darling's development jumping in there has come old oh, mate in 2015 Embarrassed himself in inverted commas from a football point of view on the ground. The first half this year, he was headed exactly the same way. And obviously, at half time, whatever he has improved, be it mentally, physically, whatever advice he got at half time, he came out and took seven marks, I think, in the third quarter. I was going to say, I mean, did, did someone have a word in his ear? Did, did, he think, did he think to himself, I'm a better player than this? Yeah, perhaps. He, he, way. He, turned, yeah. he turned his game around complete 180 and absolutely dominated that quarter. I think he got six contested marks, seven marks, and kicked an absolutely vital goal. If he had continued playing the way he had in that first half, the narrative and his career could have been written. Like, he could have ended up fizzing out to be nothing. 
Well, it, there's also that little thing of that drop mark with a minute to go on the goal square. Oh, if, God. if that went down the other end, I, I, I don't think how, how well he played in the third quarter would have made a difference. If no, uh, probably, Collingwood would have got up probably on wouldn't have day. got back into the state. Uh, I would have been at the airport. So 2018, obviously, you take the premiership. It was an amazing win. How do you see the Eagles going next season? Of course, you're going to go into a season after a premiership with extremely high expectations. I mean, we've lost we've lost Scott Lysette who was a, a, a good player after Nick Eric went down. I don't think he's a bigger loss as people are making out to be. I thought Nathan Vardy was a better ruckman in the last six weeks of the season, especially in the in the finals. He was fantastic in the grand final. Nathan he was, Vardy. yeah. What, watching the game again, watching it live at University, watching the game again, he was clearly the best ruckman on the game. Beat Brody Grundy, who's probably the best ruckman in the league, along with Max Gorn. I think Nathan Vardy can take over that number one ruck spot. They've picked up Tom Hickey from St Kilda. It, it, it's really just a, just a carry until Nick Nat gets in. Yeah, Hopefully so. Nick Nat won't be out for, for too long. He'll be out for probably half the season. But if Vardy can carry the ruck, which I really feel he can, he's got over his, his hip and his ankle or hip and his knee injuries. He's fully fit. He's, he's firing. He's, he's, he's kicking goals. He's running around. I think I think the Lyset loss won't be as big as some people are making out to be. Lacroix are gone now, which means probably Ryan and Rioli will have to step up. They'll probably have to kick 15 goals each extra this season, which I think they can do. Yeah, well, Liam's probably got to sort the rest of the stuff out, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Liam Ryan never plays AFL footy again. I think he's um he's obviously a troubled young he's, man. He's got, a lot of, he's got a lot of worries off the field, but hopefully he can... He, he, he's in a good place at the Eagles. The Eagles will help him sort through that. Yeah. We just have to wait and see. I mean, there are a lot of good young kids coming through as well who yep. hopefully will get a game, and we'll see how they go. I think Daniel Venables... Was an extremely lucky grand final player. Uh, but good on him. You know he was he was good enough during the season. He had a, had a great game against Melbourne, so he deserved his spot in the team. Going in, going to the twenty nineteen season, I expect us to come top four. Optus Stadium is a fortress. It's very hard to come here and win. The Eagles have got it down packed to playing here really really well. So that, they should win at least ninety percent of their home games. Come top four, and as I say, going into the finals, who knows? Who knows who's, who's good? I mean, no one would pick the Bulldogs win the grand final from sixth a couple of years ago. So my expectations are to make the finals at this stage. You just have to see how the season pans out. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably like you. I think bottom half of the finals, I, but I actually didn't think we'd make the finals this season. I thought that a lot of the success in 2017 was not going to be replicated, but they've definitely got a special group there and they've got a, um whether that's amazing three, culture. Whether that's three, the media speculate about the Eagles' culture all the time. Yeah, well, it's getting old now. Let's be honest, they, 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 there was a drug culture, there was a really bad culture. There's been a, there's been, they talk about the drug culture in 2006 still today, and I think they've got to move on from that. When Andrew Gaff hit Brayshaw, they called it a culture problem. Mm. That's just that's just a brain fade by a young a young player and another young player who didn't mean to do what he did. He did. He, he got what he did, absolutely got what he deserved. That's not a culture problem. No. But it's just an easy word that the media can throw in and say, oh, it's a culture problem. I think Adam Simpson has got a lot of respect from the players. He's got a lot of respect from, from the board. And he's got a lot of respect from the media. I really think he's he's straight-faced. He's straight down the line. He doesn't talk any crap. doesn't talk in circles. And I think that, that's led uh, that, that's followed down to the, to the players. I really think they, they're there to do a job. They want to play for their coach. They want to play to win. Now they know what it's like to win. Brad Shepard, Andrew Gaff weren't there this year. Are they going to push themselves to hopefully get back in the grand final, possibly another premiership next year for those two players? That would be a good result. Oh, I find the culture discussion amusing. Like Collingwood obviously drive the media. They had Josh Thomas, who's been banned for drug abuse, played in the grand final. And they've got Sam Murray this year, who's facing, I think, a four-year ban for taking illegal substances. And that got half a page and half a day's worth of reporting because Eddie runs it was, the media. It was brought out on, on one, another podcast that I did here. Yep. Eddie Maguire's on that. Yep. And Eddie Maguire shut that down very, very fast. Eddie Maguire jumped on Triple M the week before the um, grand final, bringing out Liam Ryan's drink driving charge, which he was dealt with earlier in the year. So it's I find it, it, I find it, it really amazing. It was great time by the, the media, Melbourne media. And it. it was. Oh, well, they came second. Um, so in 2019, is there any sides you think will rise up the ladder and perhaps contend? I've got one, but I'll let you go first. I think the AFL next year will be... I think, I think the top six will have four Melbourne teams in it and possibly the Eagles and GWS. So I think the, I think the Bombers will rise up. The, the Bombers were probably meant to rise up last year. 
That but, was who I had, but I've got a second one as well, so you talk about the Bombers I first. think the, the Bombers were, were expected to rise up last year and to make finals and to win finals. They were extremely sweet. Joe Danaher was out. Yep. Which really affected him. If he's fit and firing, he's one of the most unstoppable players. I mean, one of the best players to watch in the league. With the acquisition of Dylan Scheel, I think he'll drive that midfield. I think the Essendon, Essendon could come top four this year. Probably definitely top six, but they're probably, they're, they, they should. If they don't come top six, I'll be disappointed as a Bombers fan and even win a final. Uh, and just, just out of the final, I think Brisbane will rise this year. I think Brisbane showed something last year with the pickup of Lockie Neal from Brisbane. I think Lockie Neal is a massive loss for Freo. I think he's a great player. He's a better player than Dane Beams. And Dane Beams has left to go into Collingwood. Luke Hodge, one more year there. I think they'll probably win twice as many games. They'll probably win 10, 11 games. Could possibly scrape into eighth yep. if they can put everything together. Hipwood's a good player now forward. But I think... Essendon will rise up to make finals. I think Brisbane will rise up to possibly make the bottom half of the finals. Possibly. Yeah, okay. I, I would, I'm very bullish on Essendon. I actually think if, from a value point of view, if I was betting on the flag for next season, Essendon would be my pick for the flag. Mainly because I'll probably get 20 to 1 for it. But hey, that, that, <laughs> that, that would be my, they'd be my smoky flag selection. Um, my other riser, and it really pains me to say this, but I think it's Fremantle. I don't see how you can't get better. Adam Chera is going to have another year in him. Brayshaw is going to have another year in him. Fife, if fit, is still a top three player in the league. Absolutely. Jesse Hogan, if fit, is like... You can, you can talk Tom Lynch all you want. Jesse Hogan owns Tom Lynch every day of the week as a footballer for me. Tom Lynch, Richmond. Not, and Tom Lynch, Adelaide. And Rory Lobb, I think, is I think, yeah, outstanding. Putting Rory, I think putting Rory Lobb at centre forward and Jesse Hogan at full forward has to make you a better team. It has to, and we will see now. Ross Lyon was a very good coach in a previous era when he was able to dictate the tempo and control. He has to evolve. If he evolves as a coach, given that they will, can have, he though? I, well, I, I really struggle to see that he can. I mean, if Freo are, if Freo are four and eight halfway through the season. And if the board don't sack Ross Lyon, they have got rocks in their head. Yeah, no, nah, he'll, he'll be gone. Absolutely, be absolutely. Gone. They, as much as I didn't want to say it, I think Freo will rise. I don't think they can't not rise from where they were last year. Yeah, and all, I think it does come down to Ross Lyon. I think he's got the cattle. He's got the cattle, and if they don't play up to where, well, their supporters, their long-suffering supporters expect him, they should be calling for Ross Lyon's head. They, sh- I, they should. Yeah. yeah. The concern for them is probably midfield depth. But the interesting thing on that, and I stand by the fact the Eagles' midfield was not deep in 2018. We obviously had the top-end talent was outstanding with Huey, Yo, Yo Redden, Redden Gaff. Gaff, Sheed's probably the fifth. Mar- Marston, Rioli came in a bit. Yeah. Generally, you normally need eight or nine midfielders. So the Eagles, their elite guys, meant that they didn't really need that. Like Hutchings played a bit in there. And they were pretty they, fit. They were able to play most of the season. Correct, yeah. I don't so. think I think Fremantle's problem will be that they don't have that depth in the midfield. I think at both ends of the ground, they're fine. Their home ground advantage will be very good here. Their fans, they're a different breed, Freo fans. And if they start winning, especially over here, they'll turn that place into as much a fourth. Absolutely. If not more than the Eagles fans will. So I've been, I've been in many Eagles games. I've been in quite a lot of Freo games. And I have to admit... 30,000 Freer fans make more fan, more noise than 40,000 Yeah, absolutely. Fans. Yeah, but they're just a different breed. Yeah. Like, not to generalise against Freer fans, some are good friends of Freer fans. But lastly on the Eagles, I thought um, it'd be topical to talk about our best five Eagles of all time. So I... Walking into this, I thought we'd have a very similar list. Uh, I've been told that it's not similar. Uh, it, probably, probably the... I, I thought... Four of, four of my five are very easy picks. Very easy yep. picks. And even the four in the top four order I felt was very easy for me. Yep. The fifth one was a bit... I could have gone for a lot of players. So let's start at number five. We'll start with your fifth. My fifth my fifth player uh, of all time, the Eagles, is uh, Guy McKenna. Yep. Um, couple of best and fairest. Just looked... Just one of the most cleanest players I've ever seen. Hardly ever got beaten. Was a very attacking halfback back in the I mean late eighties when they didn't when running off halfback wasn't really a thing that backman did back then. Two premierships, captain for a couple of years, one actually best and fairest ten years apart, which is a pretty amazing stat. There. It is, yeah. Just one of my most favourite players to ever watch was Guy McKenna. I got, always reliable. Always I've, reliable. I've got him. So just in so we don't double up. I had McKenna as number four. Like I remember him being the kind of guy that you never 
had any doubt whether he was never worried well about or not. No. Never worried about the gap. Him. The gap between his best and his worst was very, was very low. He used all four limbs very well. Could yeah. kick left footed. Hardly ever made a mistake. So I had him as number four. My number five was Dean Cox. Dean Cox is one of the ones I tossed up with with McKenna. It's like, sorry, you go first. Along yeah. with Darren Glass, I mean Darren Glass is one. Of the, he won three best and Ferris. He's probably he probably one of those players that the club see plays better than the general media public would see him play. He's yes. so yes. it was so valuable in that time. Matt Prudis also won a Brownlow medal. Was a fantastic player for for many years. Unfortunately, retired in the last year. Didn't get that that premiership medallion. Same, same, same with same along with Prudis with McKenna. The gap between their best and their worst was so small. Yeah, ended up being leading the AFL record of of tackles as well, Prudis, which is an amazing stat to have as well. Cox, yeah, Cox for me. It's a lot of talk about Brody Gundy and Max Gorn revolutionising in inverted commas ruck work now. Cox is the best ruckman of the last thirty years. Oh, like he did, absolutely agree. He was a fourth midfielder. They always, they always said with Cousins, Cox. Sorry, Cousins, Kerr, and Judd in the midfield. They had four midfields with Cox. In yeah, there absolutely. As well, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So he was. How about your number four? My number four is Glenn Jakovic. Yep. Four best and fairest. Always remember him with his duels with Wayne Carey. Sort of same as McKenna. Gap between their best and worst is very, very small. Possibly could have been made captain. Possibly had a chance to be captain. Whether it was in, internal dislike for him, which I have heard. Yeah. That he wasn't loved around the club. No. Nah. But you can't take away what he used to do on the field. Great player, tough, hard, look, just look great out there. I remember so. watching him play league for South Fremantle as a 16-year-old against Perth. Would have been, I'm guessing, late 80s, maybe 1990, had a guess. Yeah. He was incredible. And he was probably only an inch shorter than what he ended up growing to mm-hmm. and very similar weight-wise as a 16-year-old. He was a, he was a big guy, he was very, a big unit, very yeah. young. And as I say, with his size, probably one of the only players ever who could go with Wayne Carey. Yeah, I had, I had him as number three, Jacko. I had, obviously, McKenna as number four. My my number three was where we, we differ a little bit. I've got probably my most favourite player, like, full stop of all time. Yep. Really wanted to put him at number one. Didn't deserve to be number one, though. It's Peter Matera. Yep. Go. One of those players, where oh, the games we used to go to, when he used to go near the ball, the crowd used to just, you just hear a murmur, or everyone just used to, oh, what he used to do. He could get 10, 10 12 kicks in a game and, and change a game. Yep. No one will forget his 92 grand final. He kicked five goals off a wing. Left or right foot, fast, tough. Just one of the most exhilarating players I've ever seen play the game. And my most favourite player ever. Yeah, I didn't have Matera in my top five. He probably could have easily made it. I don't have the memories of him being as consistently brilliant as some people do. Um, Again, just my memory. His 92 grand final was outstanding. I couldn't find a spot for him in the top five. Now, we've got... The top two, both the same, but we differ on who the number one is. So what I'll do first is I'll let you make the argument for your guy, and then I'll follow suit. So most people probably know who the two are, but... These these are going on clearly of just Eagles playing days. Yep. Both, both of these players moved on. Yep. One with a bit more class than the other one, but... Off-field, yeah. Off-field, right, yeah. absolutely. Um, toss of the coin, absolute toss of the coin, but I've got Chris Judd at number two. Same with Peter Matera. Every time he went near the ball, just something was going to happen. I'll tell you happen. what, do us a favour. You talk about your number one, and then I'll return serve with My your number My number one two, is so. Ben Cousins. There we go. We're not going to talk about what's been going on no, the last no. few well, that's, years. That's Absolutely. irrelevant. As a player, yep. was the hardest working eagle I've ever seen. One of the hardest working players I've ever seen. Often going to games, you see him throw up as he came off. He was that much of a... Probably started the the uh, what they call gut running. Yep, yep. Just never, ever, ever stopped running. Never stopped trying. Six All Australians, of course, won the Brownlow. Four best and fairest. Captain for five years. Was classed as a pretty boy. Probably looked at the pretty boy when he first very first started. He had the hair and he had had the looks and the the, the media were following him around. But just backed it up with one of those the hardest working players I've ever seen. Has just got it over Chris Judd, possibly because of longevity with the Eagles. Yep, played probably a hundred more games. Splitting hairs between those two. My my favourite cousins of memories probably were at Etihad Stadium. I think you were there two thousand seven. Played against the Kilda on the Friday first, night. Yeah, so the first trip we took over to watch, and the Eagles were five goals down at half time, and we were questioning why we'd bother travelling to the other side of the country to watch his shit. Um, Cousins was getting tagged by Jason Blake. So I don't know how many of you remember Jason Blake, who was probably six foot four, was a purely defensive player. And 
I reckon Cousins probably looked at him at half time and something went off of his head and said, this guy can't stop me. And Cousins almost single-handedly won that game for the Eagles. They came from five goals back. He just willed them to the win. Mm. St Kilda were not a great team, but they were playing very well that day and he just willed them over the line. I'll counter with Chris Judd. Now, when he left the Eagles, fair to say, I was actually watching my brother play Sunday League at Gosnell's Oval when the news came through, and I was not very happy when Chris I, Judd left I'll tell you right now, I had a hand-signed two Darren Best Wishes Chris Judd cap on a Chris Judd cap. As yep. soon as I heard the news, I went straight in the bin. Did it really? It was one yeah. of the most prized possessions I've had, straight in the bin. I was... Loyalty means nothing these days no. in sport. I mean, I, I, I get that now. But back then, I, ha- I thought, how could our best player at the time leave us? I, so, was, I, was, I was gutted. I was gutted. So maybe that's what has yeah, pushed well, him to number two. Probably fair enough. His, um, his ability to come in as an 18 year old, so he was drafted with question marks around his shoulders. That's why he went number three. Exactly. Know. So I remember he played one waffle game. He played East, East Perth. Perth. got five standover votes. And the East Perth coach, I don't know who it was, said at the post-mass function, apparently... Thanks, Chris. You'll never play for us again. He, he said at that, he, he said at that medical register said he had a great game. I don't think he'd be playing many games for us. No. And he didn't play one more East Perth game. So, so he judged. I oh know the two games he played against Brisbane at the Gabba, particularly in two thousand three, when he kicked five goals and a half. If you YouTube that, I would argue that no, the guys who are great players today, none of them are in the same stratosphere as Judd. You could possibly say Dustin Martin. No, I don't reckon. If you watch back the replay of that half, Brisbane were arguably the best side of all time. They were. The peak of their powers. That was was in their premiership run. And Judd kicked three three of the goals he kicked. It should be physically impossible to be able to get the ball weave in and out. So he's my number one for all the reasons that he was always played well in a big game. Sydney went out of their way in those great battles to tag him and pretty much turned the game into one in which he couldn't impact, and he still did he st- impact. He still won the Norm Smith in 05. He I played mean. his last games as an Eagle in 2007, like cri- with a crippling, crippling injury, injury, like credit to him. He thought he needed to get out there and owe the Eagles, I think. I think he obviously knew he was leaving. He, as a competitor, wanted to get out there and play. He's the best Eagle of all time for me, and it's not particularly close. There but, you go. Opinions are like assholes. We've all got them and they're all different. So. I, I'm not arguing any of that. I mean, as I say, it came down to the toss of the coin between Judd and Cousins, and I chose Cousins probably for, for longevity. That's to. that's very fair. So the game itself today, how do you enjoy, not enjoy um, today's AFL? I watch quite a, I'll say quite a bit. Not as much as I used to, but I watch a bit of football with my dad. My dad's old school... Everyone plays in positions. There's one-on-ones. There's no congestion. He doesn't like today's game. He's he goes. He doesn't like the rules. He doesn't like the hands in the back rules and all that sort of stuff, which I can understand. So he he likes the games in the '60s, the '70s, and even in the '80s. That's that's the era that he liked. He hates today's game. I love today's game. I think it's. I'm not a big fan of the congestion, but I don't think it affects many games as people maybe talk about no once once the game is out of the congestion it is so fast so free-flowing the, the amount of running that the players have to do these days it's a fantastic spectacle so the small amount of congestion that you do get there are some games which are just congestion 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 which is just boring but you're going to get that through however many games uh, there are in a season i love watching today's footy i love watching today's players i love watching the athletes the way i love watching a mason cox a seven foot guy american can come and play our game i think it's fantastic yeah i really enjoy watching it i much of course same as everyone love what going to the game and watching it there's nothing better than going you can watch a bad game live and still enjoy it it's a bad game on TV is still a bad game on TV, but it's still great to go see live. I'm loving the game at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I think the umpires, and I won't bash the umpires, but I think every final series in memory, whether it's the best umpires umpiring because they are the best or the best umpires umpiring under instruction, when they let the game go and all these rules that get talked about all year actually aren't an issue, the game's still brilliant The umpires are under massive scrutiny. But they umpire the grand final so well. The grand final this year was umpired so well, and it was a brilliant game to watch. Well, it's it's funny you say that. It still came down at the end that 
the Collingwood supporters are blaming the umpire for their loss with that hashtag shepherd by Willie Rioli. And if you look at, if Maynard. you touch the still, if you still image that contest and turn another way, Maynard's got his arm on Rioli's neck. It's, so. it's ticky touch. I actually personally reckon he played on. Watching it live, I thought he played on. Yeah. But to pick that out of a game which I totally agree was fantastically umpired. Think, there, was, there was free kicks there. There was free kicks both ways. But it was let go, and you, you move on. It didn't. It didn't affect the umpire. Didn't affect the game. No, nah, no way, at all. Totally so. agree. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I love the game these days. The quality. The one thing I will say, I think the quality of football across the board has dropped. But that's only because with 18 teams, mm. the, there's a dilution yeah, of talent. It's so. thinning out the talent. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so being a passionate East Perth supporter which you have been for a number of years, what have you thought about the alignment of late and what do you think about the change going forward? When the, when the alignment was first brought up a number of years ago, I know they put the Eagles and both the Eagles and the Dockers wanted a, a standalone team in the Waffle. So they put it to a vote to the presidents and they all voted against it, except the East Perth president. He was the only one who voted for. When the alignment came to East Perth, at first I was happy. I was sort of, sort of excited. I thought we are going to get a lot of young players, a lot of, a lot of good players. It's going to lead a, lot of, lead a lot of success for the team. It hasn't done that at all. You know, I reckon it's hurt East Perth. A development Players don't want to come and play for East Perth. It's hurt their development of the young players. The young players of the Eagles are, are good players, but they're playing at East Perth to make the step up for the Eagles. Watching, watching a few of them, I think they, a few of them play quite selfishly probably not doing what they do to better the team. And it's been going on for quite a few years now. So I still support the East Perth, probably not as passionately as I used to. I don't know whether it's become the alignment or what, but I have taken some, also as being a Warriors supporter, some heat for being an East Perth supporter by a few people. Yeah, I've, I've, I've put it back to them. I spoke to a, a person who was a passionate Perth supporter. Had a go at me saying, how can you still go for that team? The, the Eagles and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. And I said, okay, when the alignment finishes, the Eagles align themselves with Perth. Will you support Perth? And he said no, and I didn't believe him. I mean, you, you can't stop supporting someone for what for players that come and go. So same as the Warriors. I don't. I won't stop supporting the Warriors if Kevin Durant and Steph Curry leave. Yeah, I'm still in East Perth. The fact that the alignment's finished now, I'm ecstatic. I'm very happy. We can go back to supporting the team who I supported as a as a as a young young fella. Whether it's going to be less success, more success, time will tell. Who knows? But I still follow the Waffle as the Waffle as close as I can. I think the Waffle's in the it's quite, quite a boring this season this year with Subiaco just absolutely cut above everybody else. Yeah, no well, one was anywhere near him. Nah. And, the, and the finals, the grand final just showed, and even the finals ending up were quite, were quite dull. Will the WA Footy Commission do anything about it? We'll see. Maybe there's not. one of two things needs to happen here. Either the rest of the competition needs to get their act into gear and replicate what Subiaco are doing development-wise, fitness-wise, skill-wise, or, 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 or the footy commission need to look at the fact that Subiaco have rorted the system for a decade and actually bring that back to something that's got a bit of integrity. One of those two things has to happen. I would absolutely me. prefer that they brought everybody else up because if everyone, yeah. every other team could play at the league at Subiaco, it would be a fantastic league. Yeah, I absolutely. I don't think yeah. we're the second-best league in, the, in Australia anymore. Nah. We were for a while. The samples probably above us. Who knows? Probably the VFLs even above us as well. I think we've dropped away. I'd love to see. I'd love to see fans go back to the waffle to support. Yeah, the waffle. yeah absolutely. But yeah. I mean, if you're getting play teams are getting flogged every week, then no one's going to go watch them. I mean, they don't have a huge like East Roman or Claremont. They don't have a big supporter base. Uh, if, but if they start winning, then people will go to start watching. So yeah, there's nothing better than going down and watching local footy. It is it is fantastic. Even suburban footy. I love going and watching suburban footy. Just to get up and close, to hear, hear the calls, hear the, the bodies hitting bodies. It's brilliant, watching any footy. Yeah, agree. Now, I want to close on a point. You're probably one of the few people in the world who <laughs> are in possession of an AFL game ball. You want to explain how that came about? Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's heading back. It's a story that must be told. Very hard to steal a game ball these days, I reckon. I was actually you thinking, about, I was I was actually thinking about the other day, maybe a spotless stadium or... A, uh, I don't know yeah, because they're, Metricon they're, Metricon that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the state I'm thinking of where it's got there doesn't have uh, stains surrounding the ground but it was 1997 uh, round 6 West Coast versus Western Bulldogs I was at the game with a very good friend of ours uh, Adrian Ellis we used yep. to go to footy quite a lot back, back then um, leading into the game the Eagles are top of the ladder uh, going quite well it was Glenn Jakovic's first game back from a knee reconstruction so it was a lot of a lot of hype around that, you know, one of the one of the best Eagles ever. 
the Western Bulldogs were, were killing us. We were having an absolutely dreadful day. And me and Adrian were just looking at ourselves, like, what's going on? We were frustrated all day. We were, they didn't look like they wanted to be there. They were playing terribly. They were six goals down at three-quarter time. And as a joke, we used to, running joke, we used to say back then, let's go now and beat the traffic. So me and Adrian looked at each other, and we sort of said, uh, we sort of motioned our way towards towards the gate. Didn't leave. Sort of stood stood on the, the concourse, still see the game. Uh, unbelievable, the Eagles absolutely came home with a wet sail in the last quarter with flying on the crowd, crowd was getting into it. I thought we were a huge chance here. Uh, but the Western Bulldogs steady quite near the end. Chris Grant took a mark in the goal square with, I, wouldn't, I can't remember, maybe two minutes to go. A goal would, would put it out of reach for the Eagles. And I, I looked at, I looked at um, Adrian and I said, if he kicks this goal, we're gone. We, we can't win from here. So he goes, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, he's no more than three metres out. He, he kicks it. I look up. The ball is coming directly towards me. I... I I, I gone for a few marks on Subiaco at Subiaco Oval when you used to have the old grass hill. You used to go for a mark. There used to be fifty kids behind you actually to come over the back. You used to get hammered. But I had a quick a quick glance behind me. No one there. I actually saw the open gate coming down. I thought I'm going to mark this. How good is this? I took I took the mark. There are moments in your life where I, where you think I can do something now, or I, or, or I won't do it and regret it for the rest of my life. And I looked at Adrian, and he looked at me, and he said, "Go, tuck the ball under my arm," <laughs> and I just ran. Back in 97, there was no security at the gates. I don't think there's any CCTV So you're, you're on the Swan River side of the Wacker? I'm on the... No, I'm on the... Is it Queen, Queen's oh, Park Queen's side? Garden I'm on the side, Queen's yeah, Garden okay. side. Yeah. So I've, I've run out just just to the left of the... Not the printable stand. The one next to the printable... The, one, the stand next to the printable stand. I've run out. And because I've, I've had to run and turn left, so I'm running parallel to the ground. There's, there's fans up in there going, Go, son, go! I'm sprinting my guts out. I've probably run... 20, oh, probably 200 metres, and I've looked behind me, I see no one. So I thought, no, I've got to keep going, keep going. Up in front of me is Perth Police Headquarters. I had to run past police headquarters, so I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to get arrested here. Not knowing what to do, I just kept on running and running. I probably could have stopped after 50 metres because no one was giving a crap. So I ran for about, from the Wacker to Vic Park, which people don't know, is probably about 3K, yeah, 3 or 4K. Yeah, yeah. Didn't even, wasn't short of breath. Still have that ball today. I, uh, I, it's, it's in my shed. One, one, one drunken afternoon, unfortunately, I got it out and had a kick with a couple of friends. It was a bit wet, so the ball got a bit waterlogged. But it still says West Coast Eagles, the Western Bulldogs on the ball. And it's something I'll probably hand out to my son as, uh, as time goes on. What a so. great story. Not many people can, can claim that. So. And actually not get caught. So. Exactly, not get caught. So on, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Darren, thanks heaps for the chat. Thanks, Stephen, for having me. It's been great. No, it's been excellent. Talk a bit of NBA and AFL, and we'll definitely have you on again as we get closer to footy season. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. Um, you've been listening to Keeping Up The Pace. As always, you can find us on iTunes. Search for Keeping Up The Pace. Subscribe, leave a review. Um, on Twitter, at Keep Up The Pace. We're always keen for questions here to generate discussion. And on Facebook, at Keeping Up The Pace. Thanks for listening and have a great week.